Okay, here we go. Mostly hairless apes. Hello. Welcome out there. I'm Dr. Gene Mesco. We're meeting in the basement of the Church of Science today, an organizational meeting for the next big social event. Thinking about the garden party instead of Democratic or Republican. If you looked at up garden party, you'd get lots of old links. Uh, you get some of them anchored to traditions. Some might be for an old song. <clears throat> but I wanted to look at it from a political perspective. Uh, supposedly in the U.S. we have a separation of church and state. That doesn't always work out, as you might have noticed recently. A lot of political activity gets organized at churches. But if you can't beat them, join them, right? And I'm going to take the Church of Science. What would happen with the Church of Science in politics? I think we might end up with something like the Garden Party. The Democrats and the Republicans really do, at their core, say what they mean. I mean a democracy is a government by the people. Everyone gets their say. A true democracy gets harder to manage as you get larger. More voices, more people want to say things. It's hard for Democrats to get organized. You might have noticed that Democrats are a little less organized. They, they, it's because they want this bottom-up system. It's less efficient than a republic. A republic uses elected representatives. It's much more of a top-down approach. Everyone else can go about their lives. The major challenge with the republic, as you might have already figured out, is the election process. If you want the most efficiency, you can have a king or a, some sort of tyrant at the top. One leading voice does simplify the rules. As long as you agree with the guy at the top, this top-down system could work. And they, lots of Republicans seem to like the idea of letting someone else take the lead. That's why they tend to get organized a little better than uh, Democrats. So I look at these in the U.S. and I think, wait a minute, this is this top-down versus bottom-up approach. I kind of like the bottom-up approach. I like having more say. But it's less efficient. So how would we do that? The garden party might be something we could do. If we could actually focus on the ideas and more so than the people. Because that's actually what we need to do. All we're doing with society and government is we're making an adaptation that says, how do we control things? How do we actually control uh, our government and set the boundaries for behavior? You know, for a long time, that was based on just controlling the land. If we take the long history perspective here, and you think about what was going on before the modern era, eh, most of it was biological. We just controlled the land, we grew things, had this nice feudal system way back in Europe. And how did we get here? Well, we, we had all these wars about controlling the territory. And people fought it off under different monarchies way back in the Dark Ages. And we built up our economies over time. And we had all those revolutions in Europe. We had the Reformation and the Enlightenment and all of those different expansions of the Industrial Revolution and the Scientific Revolution, all of it based under patriarchal theology. And we had that producing wealth for a, a royal class. And there were a lot of unknowns. Most people were illiterate. But eventually we figured it out. We, we started adding education, figured out printing presses. We had the Renaissance and the Reformation and challenged religious rule. And then we challenged monarchy rules. And eventually we got over here to the States, to America. And we started building capitalist economies. And that's what we got leading into America. We said, hey, we've got all this land. Everybody can have a say. But then we also started building our own new aristocratic class. Because the thing that came out of... European expansionism and the growth in our European heritage was we ended up with a major social challenge. We ended up replacing all of that authoritarian governments with democratic governments. And that was a really great idea, I thought. We got rid of the monarchs. But we also did capitalism as our major economy. 
And that's where we are today. We had all these new inventions and it, and it shifted wealth off the land, away from people just working fields into factories. And we built all this stuff and a lot of individuals were able to make money. It used to be just the royals could make money. The royals and that small wealthy class, they funded all of the colonialism that went on for years, it took over the kind of the world. Arguably, the English did it best. They, you know, the sun never set on the British Empire, but that blew up in the last century. And as we had all these colonial era, I think we're sort of at the end of the colonial era, and we have to do something different. Maybe we need to build a political system that's based on the environment and the, where we all live. And if we can not accept that new aristocracy that's grown up but they, I think that's the biggest challenge to democratic government right now is we've got leaders who have accumulated a lot of resources the captains of industry across the, the, the years and they've harnessed the economic powers and they tend to dominate our social systems and it's not really a democracy anymore we've let capitalism build a new aristocracy and it's a little tricky to see because they're not anchored to any specific location and uh, there's all these wonderful small countries which have taken on the role of being private bankers. And money gets squirreled away in Switzerland and the Caymans and Panama and all of these small islands that act as reserves. And so money doesn't actually work to flow through an economy because that's what an economy really is from a biological, scientific perspective. That's what the Garden Party would say is from the Church of Science. The economy is really... The exchange of matter and energy at a fundamental level. How do we trade matter and energy? Well, we put prices on stuff and we move it around. And that's the real problem with aristocracy. When they have control of the economy, they suck up more of the resources. They move more of the matter and energy into their spheres of influence. And people get left with less and less. And if there's less and less, things get stressful, things start to get crazy. Uh, and we did this for the last few centuries. We asked those questions. Why are more of those people in charge? You know, we, were, we got rid of the holy men with the Reformation. We got rid of Rome as a dominant feature. And we said, oh, I have religion, religious freedom. And that's the real problem in America today, politically. And we made the mistake of saying belief is insignificant. And belief's not insignificant because belief is the information we have in our heads that we don't have any proof for. It's why we think rules of government or rules of prices in the economy should be what they are. We accept them because we believe certain things. And when we believe certain things about the economy and the government, we, we accept the status quo. We don't dare challenge it. And so right now, we have to challenge that status quo. And we've, we've got a point right now where evolutionarily, we've reduced our major social decisions to two things. Do we want democracy to be in charge or do we want the economy to be in charge? And that's what we have. We have people who have a lot of money and they're essentially the new aristocracy because they can influence things. They can buy judges. They can take Supreme Court justices on $100,000 vacations and then say, hey, this case you're trying, maybe you could slide me a little bit of, of, of love here and let me make, make a decision in my favor. Uh, whereas people are voting and saying, still, oh, no, wait, we want this guy to do this or we want that guy to do this. But all we ever do is vote for these people and they, they don't really seem to get anything done. And why don't they get anything done? Because money talks. 
Money talks louder than votes. That's the real problem in the modern world. We have really rich people who can take space flights and own private islands and fly in personal jets, and they distort the political process. That's the real challenge today. We have this aristocratic ownership class that has accumulated staggering amounts of economic resources. If you don't think the numbers are staggering, if you're a sports fan like me, you can ask, why should we be paying 10 old football coaches $150 million, which is something that's happening in college football right now, much less professional football, much less the theater industry, much less any industry. Take any industry, and they've evolved for more efficiency. Evolution selects for efficiencies. Any evolving system, like our social system, selects for more efficiencies, depending on how things can get done. And in a capitalist society, things get done based on who has the resources, who can pay for it. Uh, but if we want a democracy, we have to vote on it. We have to talk about it. And so democracy is inherently less efficient than capitalism. And that's the big problem today, is that we have this problem we have lots of problems, and we understand how to fix them. If you actually ask the experts, because that's actually how you initially accumulate money in capitalist economies, you do something better than somebody else. You make a better product, you make a better widget, and you go out there and you have these specialists, and you get paid for it. And as more and more people get paid for it, and things get delivered faster, and you get higher quality, that's great. Capitalism is a great system to run an economy. But the question today should it be in charge? Should it be in charge of the economy? And if it's going to be in charge of the economy, that means the rich people make the rules. Whereas if we want a democracy, we have to say the, the people are in charge. It's going to be slow. It's going to be messy. It's going to be less efficient. But that's the choice we have to make politically right now. The science would say if we want to have the best system for the most people, we have to put democracy on top of the economy. Democracy, the government, has to regulate the economic system. And what would be the most reasonable experiment to try if we were going to have a garden party that said, hey, can we make the earth a little prettier? Can we make things a little nicer? Can, we really don't have wilderness anymore, if you think about it. Humans have been all over the planet. We've been off the planet. And we've discovered that there may or may not be any deities out there. We don't know. We still argue about those deities because they gave us comfort for a really long time. The whole religious thing, it became a conflict because they gave up some really good rules over time. I mean, think about some of the rules in societies. Don't kill anybody. Don't steal anything. Those are really great rules for a society, but they only worked if you enforced them with the belief in your this deity or that deity. We can take those rules and say, no, we should just have those. But what should be the belief system that we can all share? If we can't agree on which God we should follow, maybe we can all agree on reasonable, logical answers that just say, in and of itself, having a civilization where we don't kill each other and we don't steal each other's stuff and we take care of everybody as best we can makes for a better society. And if that's the society we want, if we want to turn the garden if we want to do gardenification, which is a term that gets, gets used for ecosystems, then we have to agree that we're just going to we're going to set the bar somewhere at the bottom to take care of people, and that's really the issue. Because we should have an economy. We have to have an economy. We have to trade things. In the age of specialization, we have to move things around the planet. But should the economy determine what happens 
based on whoever can accumulate the most resources, or should we vote on how best to distribute those resources? Call it socialism, call it communism, call it capitalism. Point is, there's an economy where we have to distribute stuff. What if we had a capitalist economy with a cap on it? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that science teaches us. This is the beauty of having science as your belief system. Science teaches us that there are boundaries in life, that there are limits to what's possible. Physics and chemistry set specific boundaries. There's only so much energy available. There's only so much space. There's only so fast things can work. And if we accept the fact that boundaries exist, then we can have an economy where we say, oh, we want to trade things up to certain reasonable limits. We can have a government where we say you can behave up to certain reasonable limits. Why would we construct those? Because we believe in science and we understand that the natural world gives us limits and the real trick is how to work within them. Believing in a God who is limited, limitless and infinite creates a very difficult challenge because if you're going to use that for any basis of government, there are no limits. You can make stuff up and that's where we get into trouble. So here at the Church of Science, and if we're diving into the police, into the political arena, we have to embrace the idea that we're living in a unique age. Uh, science actually calls it the Anthropocene, the fact that humans have become the dominant biological force on the planet. And this Garden Party platform would say, hey, science is our primary belief system. And what, it's based on this basic assumption of we don't know how the world works. We actually accept our ignorance. And we say, because we're ignorant, we make up beliefs. And the one belief we're going to work from in science is that there are fundamental rules about how the world works. And there may or may not be gods out there. We don't know. But until somebody gives us evidence, we're not going to worry about that. You can believe in a god. But more importantly, if you're going to be an American or a citizen of a country that accepts science as its major belief system, you have to believe that we're ignorant uh, hairless apes <laughs> and that we come up with rules and we have to figure out what works best and the one basic assumption then gives us the idea that we can generate knowledge and religions have generated knowledge but science generates a lot more science has generated the, the knowledge that's given us the modern modern world all the technology that has spilled out of science over the last few centuries to create these global communication networks and the amazing comfort we all live in right now if you could, if you had a time machine and you could go back to the 1800s and pick a king or any other royal and show them what modern life was like, would be like, as opposed to what they have, they would all jump at the chance. We live better than the royals of old, I, I, an immense amount because of all the technology we've produced. You know, whether or not we're actually wise humans, homo sapiens, is a separate issue. You might be laughing about humans being wise. But some of us have figured stuff out, and we shared it. And that's the whole thing. We have to share it with the beautiful things that come out of scientific practices. And we acknowledge our ignorance, and we start with that doubt. But then we say something happens, and we know why. And once we know why, we don't know what an electron is, but we know how to manipulate electrons. We create all the electronic devices. We know how to do these things. And what if the political process was like the scientific process? Instead of saying, vote for me because I'll set you free, or whatever promises are made, we actually had a hypothesis. If you were a politician, you actually had to put out a hypothesis. And you had to say, I think if we change this, that'll happen. And we would assess your work. You'd throw out your proposal. It'd be like submitting a, a, a request for funding. 
which is really what we're doing. Scientists do this all the time. If you were a professional scientist, you'd have to justify your work. You'd say, hey, I think it'll cost this much. You'd work out these problems. And it, it actually fits really well with capitalism because it says, state your work and show, show me what you're going to do. And anything that's new would be a new venture to approve. And we could say, we'll take so much money and we'll fund it and we'll try to fix that problem. And what if it actually works like that? Uh, recent, recently, there was a controversy with the Republican-controlled House of Representatives where one of the representatives from Ohio uh, wanted to be speaker. And he'd been in, he's been in Congress for 20 years and he hadn't posed a single piece of legislation that passed. So here's a politician who's done nothing. If that was a scientist, he'd be out of work. If you're a scientist and you're a, you're a professional scientist, you get paid for results. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, and every election cycle would be a review of what works and what doesn't. Uh, but we don't. We get caught up in all these other things with beliefs and, and random ideas about things. Why, why should abortion be an issue? Uh, well, abortion should be an issue. Science says there's no life until... There's continual life, actually. I mean, the sperm and an egg are living cells. Of a zygote is a living cell, sure, but what is it human? And, and if you wanted to say we're, we're killing babies with abortion, well then, shouldn't your stance be, the only way you can have a consistent stance against abortion, I think, is if you're against the death penalty, you're against war, and you're totally a pacifist. If human life is the absolute end-all and be-all of your rationale, and that that's the most important thing. Well, then you should be, then you should carry that through the rest of your life and be consistent with all other policy choices. And if, but if it's not, if you acknowledge the fact that we make decisions about life, and we have a death penalty in certain states, that we send people to war, and we fight people, and we allow these things to continue, then then people die. And a fetus, I argue, is not a, not a human until it develops. It can't even survive outside the womb till at least halfway through a pregnancy. And viability before 20, of the 20 weeks of the 40 weeks of pregnancy is zero. And so you've got to at least get that long. So why not allow that decision to be made by the mother until there's an actual uh, functional human there? And if you're going to make the argument that there's a spirit or a soul in that baby when, they're, when that fertilization occurs... You need some proof. You need that's because science operates on proof. You can have a hypothesis and say, "Oh, that's a unique human with a unique soul," but you know what? Prove it to me. And if you can't prove it, you have to let people make their own decisions. And that's how the Garden Party would work. That's how science would work as a political system. You don't have a, you can't make a law without any data to back it up. The rest of us don't have to listen to it. Yeah, you can talk, you can hypothesize all you want, you can make ideas, but it's not a real hypothesis until you get something that's testable, that's provable. That's a scientific hypothesis. Because we know we're ignorant, and we have some ideas of how the world works. We've created a lot of knowledge, we've discovered things. But knowledge it can be independently verified. If I can't prove it to you, then, then it's not an issue. And if we were all one biological species sharing the planet, and we acknowledge we all have to share nutrients. Maybe we could build a system where everybody could stay alive and have a basic level of education and nutrition and housing that we all supplied for. And how would we get there? Well, we'd have to squash the economy. What if we just taxed people? What if we said, 
You know what? $50,000 approximately is the median household income right now in the U.S. And what if we said, if you make more than 100% of that, if you, if you made 100% more than that, well, that was only 1%. You could make $5 million a year. But if you make anything over $5 million a year, we're going to tax you. And we're going to take that money and we're going to fund education and we're going to fund environmental issues and we're going to manage basic health care for everybody. And you can go play with your $5 million every year. But any more than that, we're going to fund back into the planet. And it's, it'll simply be a math equation because logically we would want to pay for that. Because then, if we were supplying basic needs for everybody, everybody can hopefully achieve a better potential. We'd have a nicer planet. Maybe even grow some gardens around in different places. And if we could face our ignorance and learn some facts, maybe someday we'll try that. 